Tonight on the show, we're taking a look at theater from backstage to theater in the front. In Kansas City Magazine provided the articles on both of these people. First up, first, we're going to get some background about five things we didn't know. And Michael Mackey found out about Rich Baker, who's the current chief executive officer for Starlight Theater. And for our our second story tonight, we're going to go to the front of the stage with Joyce D. Donato, native native here in Kansas City, but has performed opera all over the country and I believe also the world. In Kansas City Magazine also sat down with her for their August issue and we'll play and I'll recap the conversation that they had too. Rich Baker and Joyce D. Donato, music from the back of the stage to the front. We'll get started right after this. The Guide to Living in Kansas City. People in Kansas City. Arts in Kansas City. Fashion in Kansas City. Food in Kansas City. Homes in Kansas City. Events in Kansas City. We are in Kansas City. Find them online at InKansasCity.com. It isn't very often that we get to hear from a theater manager, but such is the case here because in Kansas City Magazine, specifically Michael Mackey, sat down recently with the chief executive officer of Starlight Theater. His name is Rich Baker. And they say with over two decades of experience in theater management, Rich, excuse me, Rich Baker has been helping oversee the inner workings at Starlight Theater for over six years now. Besides helping produce over 15 different plays and musicals for Fox Theatricals, Baker is also a voter for the American Theater Wings Annual Tony Awards. We caught up with Starlight Theater's president and CEO, to find out five things you don't know about the behind-the-scenes powerhouse. First of all, these are Rich's words. Before I became involved with theater professionally, I graduated from the police academy in St. Louis. I worked as a police officer for only a year. I actually joined as a stepping stone to the FBI, but they move you around for the first 10 years or so, and my wife and I knew that it would be very difficult to raise a family that way so I considered another career. I worked at a CPA firm before the Fox Theater in St. Louis hired me on full-time, and the rest is history. 
He says, my wife and I love to travel and, t- and try to take two trips per year. China was by far the most interesting trip I've ever been on. While there, we visited a typical small Chinese village where entire families lived in about 600 square feet houses, only some of which had kitchens. The only restrooms were, co- were communal and shared by everyone. The culture was so different from what we experience here. He is an Eagle Scout. For my, he said, for my service project, I organized a group of scouts to stay in the entire outside of the church building our troop was located in. Our work saved the church thousands of dollars. He says he loves fast cars. Any chance he gets to drive a fast car, he'll take it. He said he'd have had the chance to drive a Ferrari with Gotham Dream Cars and even drove Richard Petty's race car at the Kansas Speedway. Better do you than me, pal. And last but not least, he said, My love for theater began in high school with Sing Out, a local version of Up With People, a global program that empowers young people through music. I played every role, from music director to stage manager and everything in between. At the time, my parents just thought it was a great way to keep me out of trouble. Little did they know, it was, it was what, what led me to meeting my wife, Peggy. Give you some information while we're here on Starlight Theater. A long time ago in the 70s, music concerts went there, and oh yeah, Dirks Bentley was there too a couple of years ago. Give you some information from Starlight Theater. We'll go to kcstarlight.com to share it. See if they have anything to share. We'll see here. Just a second. Takes a little time for it to warm up here a little bit. Here we go. Marin Morris, the tour. Matchbox 20, the tour for 2021. A lot of events, I guess, are coming next year. And we may as well just go ahead and take a moment to look ahead here. Bare Naked Ladies are coming as a part of the Capitol Federal Concert Series next June the 30th. Lindsey Sterling next July 3rd. Marin Morris next July 16th. Goo Goo Dolls next August the 2nd. See all events, it says. Let's have a look. Give us some early things to look forward to here. They have the ticket office information. Apparently events, and I bet we can guess the reason why, have gone bye-bye for this year. Anyway, I mentioned the Bare Naked Ladies, Lindsay Sterling, Marin Morris, the Goo Goo Dolls, David Gray is coming next August 8th. Matchbox 20, August 22nd. Alicia Keys, the multi-time Grammy Awards host, is coming on the 25th of August. The Doobie Brothers next year will be celebrating their 50th anniversary tour with a stop in Kansas City at Starlight on the 14th. And let me see if I can find anything about the musicals. I'm looking as I work with this. Read our blog... Just a second here. They just... They just say that 
This is Kansas City's home for the best Broadway musicals, concerts, and unique theatrical shows. Their number, of course, 816-363-STAR, or those of you who like to do numbers all the way, 816-363-7827. I remember going to Starlight a couple of times to see Roy Clark when I was younger. Starlight is a very, very good place. See if I can find a few more events. Here we go. Broadway season tickets. See if they'll have a 2021 list for Broadway. Just a second here. Auto renew for 2021. Let's see if they have a listing. Unfortunately... They do not. So, I guess it's not going to be an easy way of finding them. But in any case, 2021, there are a lot of things that are happening, finally. And I guess the best way I can say to do this, to encourage you to follow what Starlight's up to, Let's go to kcstarlight.com and start planning for 2021. I wish there was a better way to describe it, but in any case, Rich Baker has done a good job as far as being Starlight Theater's CEO. On the other side of this break, we're going to look at a conversation in Kansas City Magazine had with world-renowned opera singer Joyce D. Donato, who also who makes her home here in Kansas City. She has had a background unlike any other. We will take a look at look at it through the eyes through the words in in Kansas City on the other side of this break. The New Directions Podcast has a Facebook page, and I invite you the next time you're on Facebook to make your way to this web address, which is facebook.com slash rkc70. That is the quick link to get to the podcast page. You'll see stories that I have talked about in the past. You'll see stories that I will be talking about in the very near future, or at least plan on talking about. And you'll see some items that I just thought belonged on the page. I have a combination of things, and I hope you find it entertaining when you do decide to visit the New Directions Podcast Facebook page. Once again, the link is this, facebook.com slash rkc70. Check it out. You'll be very glad that you did. I first heard of this opera star in 2014 when she, with accompaniment provided by the Kansas City Symphony, sang the national anthem at Kaufman before game number seven between the Royals and Giants. But this lady has had quite, has had quite a career as one of the best opera singers, not only here in Kansas City, but perhaps worldwide. 
in Kansas City Magazine. Also, for their for their edition, for their issue this month, had a conversation with Joyce D. Donato. Cindy Hodell had the conversation with her, and I've learned a lot of things about this lady and her career. It's kind of interesting. Sheltering in the countryside near Barcelona, the opera diva from Prairie Village tries to sound upbeat in a transatlantic WhatsApp call. Joyce D. Donato's liquid voice, deeper than expected and scrubbed of any regional accent, soothes as she talks of improvising and finding joy in the dark days of coronavirus. But anxiety tinged with anger lurks below the placid surface. Her voice has a tell. When she comments on America's failed response to the pandemic, for example, her words slow and then escalate in tempo and pitch, like a finger racing up the piano keys from middle C. You wonder if she is going to sing the next sentence in fiery area style. And then, just as quickly, Di Donato gathers her breath and recenters. Born, born Joyce Flaherty, the sixth of seven children of a self-employed architect and a church choir director, the three-time Grammy winner and four-time Mecco Classic Female Artist of the Year, attended St. Anne's Catholic School and Bishop Miege High School before earning a bachelor's degree in music education at Wichita State University where my high school band director went to college as well. She did postgraduate studies at Academy of Vocal Arts in Philadelphia, then spent three long years with a vocal coach completely changing her technique, a risk that paid off in marquee buildings at La Scala, La Scala, La Scala that's what it was, La Scala, Opera Nationale de Paris, the Royal Opera House and the Metropolitan Opera. She got a late start at age 35, but at 51, she's still at the top of her game. Di Donato, who has been married twice and is currently in a relationship, kept the name of her first husband. She has headlined in all the world's great opera houses and sung nearly all the major lyric col coloratura mezzo-soprano roles. Before the Met was forced to go dark, she sang the title role in Handel's Agrippina to stellar reviews in a February and March run. Di Donato was known for daringly fresh interpretations of classic roles on stage, and also for shedding some of the conventions of diva behavior offstage. Her website, JoyceDiDonato.com, has an entire section devoted her act to her activism, mainly music education in prisons, empowering young girls in poor countries through music, and advocacy for LGBTQ equality. Her Twitter and Instagram feeds are, are a charming and personal mix of backstage moments, gardening photos, art, and lately Black Lives Matter posts. Di Donato's most recent Grammy-winning album, Songplay, mixes jazz, Latin, and tango rhythms into arrangements of Italian Baroque areas, jazz standards, and tunes from the Great American Songbook. Di Donato will, will perform at, in a live stream at noon Central Time, September 12th, from the Fondacio Hospital de la Santa Cruz, no, the first, St. Paul in Barcelona, Spain, joined by pianist Carrie Ann Matheson, 
and a yet-to-be-announced guitarist as part of the Met Stars Live in Concert series. Tickets cost $20 at MetOpera.org. The concert will be available for later viewing for 12 days. Now for the Q&A. You, were, you have homes in Kansas City and outside Barcelona. Why did you decide to shelter in Spain? All my work for the year has been canceled. I was due to be at the Met performing through the end of April and then touring the States in May, and it all got canceled. With my partner, we made the impulsive decision to be here rather than to stay in New York. So right now it feels like we made 100% the right decision. Just watching, you know, what should have been the greatest country in the world completely and utterly fall down on the responsibility of this pandemic has been extraordinary to watch. I have to say horrifying and extraordinary. What... What, does, what is your pandemic life like? We've just been doing a lot of work, like many people, in the garden and trying to fix up some things around the house. But emotionally, I have to say I've gone between two extremes without a lot of middle ground. From really, 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 really enjoying kind of a blissful time of quiet and solitude and reflection, and going inward in a way that I haven't been able to do ever in my life. And the other part... Hang on. The other part has been grief. I'm looking at my industry and it's been decimated without any real signs of coming back in a viable way, at least until next year. That's been horrifying to see for my colleagues, for culture in general, and for the human spirit. The thing that we need so much is comfort and solace, which can be found in music. People are relying on artists to go online and do what we do for free and be there for people. But meantime, so many colleagues have no security of paying their rent next month. All my colleagues are independent, self-employed people that don't get unemployment benefits, so it's been devastating to my industry. And at the same time, I've lost close friends to the virus, and I see what's happening to my country, and I'm in a state of grief. Does being immersed in the world of opera affect the emotional landscape of your life offstage? I think having the chance to immerse myself in that level of drama and emotion has actually brought a lot of clarity in my life about balance and the extremities of humanity. What it's taught me is how to be present, how to be really connected to the present moment, because that's where you have to live on the stage, not in what's just transpired or what's coming up. The other thing is it's it's bred a tremendous amount of empathy. I think I'm sort of geared for that anyway, but as I look around at the world today, I'm glad I know how to access empathy, and I want to continue to bring that to the world, because that's what's really missing right now, big time. And Joyce, before I move on, you're not kidding one bit. In one of your master classes online, you were helping a young singer and telling her that in one passage of a song, you have to earn that note. You can't just leap into a big note. You have to get the audience to come along with you first. Hmm, that's something that I find a lot in terms of performance. But it's also true in life, you know. I mean, it's not always that things are going to fall in our laps. I think our sleeves have to be rolled up all the time. You started out studying to be a, become a music teacher in college. Is it satisfying after becoming a big star on stage to add the teaching part now? In 
Just a second. Let me find that answer there. She says, enormously so. It's been a gift for me to interact with young people. That moment when you see the inner light bulb go on in the student's head, when they make a connection and I'm just sitting here like a pinball machine, just keeping the ball in play. Not actually doing anything, but keeping it in play. And they make the connection. I find that exhilarating. Let me move on. What was it like performing a duet of simple gifts remotely with Yo-Yo Ma, with each of you in your own homes? On the one hand, it was incredibly satisfying and beautiful to work with him, because he's the greatest musician in the world, and on the other hand, it was very sad, because I missed the presence of being in the same room, because that's how music can, can be created, not just put together. You hit it on the head, Joyce. How do you think the arts are going to be changed by both the Black Lives Matter protests and the, and the pandemic? What are your fears and what is your hope about what could emerge? She said, my fear is that we won't change. What do you mean? Finally, it is the moment where awareness is coming into our lives. We are starting with our eyes to see things our fellow human beings have been experiencing that we've either been oblivious to or ignorant of or purposefully have turned our eyes from. And when you see these things, you can't unsee them and you can't unknow them. From my point of view as a fellow human being, a world where discrimination and hatred are acceptable is not a world that I want to live in or participate in, you know? Sandy Hook is an example. We live in a world where people are okay with young children being gunned down. I don't like that. I think a world that allows that, that really has its priorities completely turned inside out. And so my fear is that we get upset, but nothing really changes in the art world. I see enormous potential for growth and for expansion of artistic experiences. And voices coming in and realizations. We have so much to learn from all different kinds of cultures, so much to learn from all different kinds of artists and their experiences. The whole driving force of art is to open up eyes and hearts and ears and minds and to see how extraordinary life can be, can be through so many filters and angles. To say this I like, this I don't like, and to move in directions that bring growth. So I'm not afraid of the changes that are hopefully coming. But I'm afraid of the status quo at this point, and that's not to say we must turn our back on everything we, ha we have been as an industry. I mean, we're a white European art form, essentially, and we don't have to deny that. But also, we are an art form that is full of potential and possibility. And the more that we can integrate and expand, for me that potential is infinite, and that excites me as an artist. Our conversation, ladies and gentlemen, with Joyce DiDonato, who brought up a lot, a lot to think about. A look ahead to tomorrow night is next. Tomorrow night on the podcast, we're going to have... In essence, a ladies' night. We're going to feature two ladies, one a singer, the other in an entrepreneur business. 
And that's the interesting part. An entrepreneur business teaching people to be entrepreneurs. We're going to have in Kansas City Magazine's conversation with singer Taylor Lenz for one of our stories tomorrow night. And for the other, as soon as I get it up, I'll tell you. I'm trying to find her right away. Here we go. Adrian Haynes, who is in the business of building successful entrepreneurs. We will be featuring both of them. It'll be ladies' night tomorrow night, right here on the New Directions podcast. As far as final thoughts are concerned, Joyce D. Donato was very open and very candid about a lot of different situations. And she really was, she is very, very passionate about Kansas City. She cares about everything that happens. She wants to keep arts alive. Speaking as a fellow musician, I would love to do that as well. We have opportunities to do it. It's a little harder now because of, I bet you can guess, but here's hoping that that will happen at some point in time. I want to end the final thoughts once again with what Jason Aldean had to say originally on the 27th of July. At the end of the day, we aren't Democrats or Republicans, whites or blacks, men or women. We are all humans and we are all Americans. And it's time to start acting like it and stand together as one. Truer words, my friends, were never, ever spoken. For tonight, that's going to wind things up for the Wednesday edition of the New Directions podcast. Thank you for being with me as always. We will see you tomorrow night. To get us out of here, you're going to hear from a Hall of Famer, one of two. The other, you will hear from tomorrow night. Marty Stewart, it it was, the story was released today, has been inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame, along with songwriter Dean Dillon, and another singer who has the nickname of Bo Cephas, that you will hear tomorrow night. But for tonight to get us out of here, we're going to have ourselves some bluegrass gospel. Jerry and Tammy Sullivan joined Marty for this song from the Silent Witness Project. Here is Let Me Here as soon as we can get this loaded up. We're going to have six seconds to take care of here. This was a project that involved a lot of country stars. The song, it is Silent Witness. A lot of people were involved, like Johnny Cash, like Glenn Campbell. There are a few other people that are, too. This song is my favorite, and I haven't heard this in a long, long time. To get us out of here, Marty Stewart and Jerry and Tammy Sullivan, let me be a witness.
Shine, 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 shine. 